Okay, so after reading A Walk in the Woods with Bill Bryson, um, I would say that it was a pretty good book. Um, I guess starting off the top, Bill Bryson really kind of explained his main reasons for going, especially for reasons why a lot of people go, like wanting to do it, he wants to do it for pride, um, also because the forces under New England, um, are dying up there, um, I can't really find any motivation why I would ever want to do it, but, I mean, I guess someday, if I can find the time, I would actually like to try to, um, some of the dangers he talked about, uh, campers and bears sharing the same tents, um, body-sized bolts of lightning, uh, tents getting crushed by trees, hikers under this, like, shaky earth, wolves, um, the eastern equine encephalitis caused by a mosquito prick, um, there's been nine hikers murdered since 1974 on the trail, um, the main kind of guide, I guess, um, that was shown, or at least I, I read, was uh, when you start from the northern end, uh, you wait for the snow to clear, um, and then when you start from the south, you can finish by October. I guess there's just timing on seasons because you don't want to go at the wrong time, but most people start at the north. Uh, the Appalachians Trail is about 2,160 miles. Uh, that's the most recent length that's been posted. The peak height is in Tennessee at 6,700 feet. Uh, it takes about 5 million steps to finish in a three-month journey. Uh, most people take less than 40 pounds of equipment, which I also can't really put into your perspective of carrying 40 pounds around because I'm sure there's times like when you're taking in groceries you don't realize that yeah you're holding like 40 pounds and then like say like when we get cat food and when that's like 40 50 pounds I'm like oh wow imagine carrying this like on a back for three months and taking five million steps to finish um, so chapter one really does kind of explain his reasons, the dangers, and the hiker's guide. Um, a lot of supplies that they'll take is, um, well, when, I guess when, uh, he met up with Dave, uh, or no, Dave had a, I don't know who Dave is. I don't know why I put that in there. Wasn't Dave the at the uh, outdoor store? Is that is that the cashier's name? No, I, Dave. Who's Dave? Was it his son? Have worked or been around the outdoor store, and he introduced him to Dave at the outdoor store. Okay. Because Dave was more proficient with his knowledge of outdoor equipment and the best outdoor equipment to use, the lightest, the best, what was going to work the best and for the trails. Of, a lot of supplies was, <clears throat> uh, a lot of the supply was really shocked. Bill, you know, backpack, 
$250 for that. Straps for the backpack. Um, more add-ons. Um, pretty much nothing came with anything. You always had to like buy add-ons. Um, basically like a retail burnout. Um, Sherpas, tent, folding cutters, and stove. Uh, water for your fire. Waterproof everything. Headlights. Uh, bandanas, lawn cloth, and something that wasn't actually at the store was no emergency medical kits. So that was like an on their own thing. I think it has to be what he tried to explain to him is that each trail you go on, depending upon where it is in the United States, you would need specific equipment for that trail. But the Appalachian Trail is something completely different because it spans so many states and so many different atmospheres or different environments that you come across. Mm -hmm. And uh, since it takes so long to do it, um, I think that the quickest someone can do it is in three months, but the average probably is around four to five months to do it. Um, if you're not a proficient hiker, but you still believe you have the strength to, to get it done, you would probably take a little bit longer doing it than some of the younger proficient hikers because I think he knew at his age, which is my age right now, um, he knew that it was going to take him a little bit longer than it would a 20-something-year-old because he was in his mid-40s at that time. And so that's pretty much chapter one. Chapter two starts immediately where um, Bill stops at the Dartmouth bookstore um, which also establishes the setting. At the same time, he gets through, he gets the Through Hiker's Handbook, Walking the Appalachian Trail, and several other wildlife books. Um, one about bears specifically talked about the July 5th, 1983 incident at 3 a.m. when a 12-year-old boy died by a 400-pound bear. Um, talks about the 1973 incident with two teenagers coming between a mama bear and cubs. Um, it lets them know that bears can actually move at 35 miles an hour. Um, and so when the boys were running away, one of them got mauled. The other tried to get its attention and then ran up a tree, but he didn't realize that bears can climb. So Certain bears can certain, climb. Certain bears. And so he basically grabbed him, took him down with him. Um, Herrera's book was written in 1985, but since all those incidents, uh, there's been a 25% increase in attacks, and there's more attacks in the springtime, so I don't think I'll ever hike it in the spring. Um, chapter 2 also introduces us to Stephen Katz, who called and offered to come. Um, Bill... Or was it was it Bill who recalled that he owed him six hundred dollars, or was it vice versa? No, Cat said, I'll, "I've oh, got that six hundred dollars. I'm still going to try and pay you back." And that was from when they were in Europe together, hiking through Europe. And he said, "I still have that six hundred dollars that I owe you." And Bill had completely forgotten about it. But it was something Katz probably had more of a guilty conscience about it. Not knowing why his friend hadn't contacted him all those years, but really because they were hiking acquaintances at one time and didn't seem, as Bill's wife pointed out, to 
they got on each other's nerves to begin with. But I don't know if Kat's really understood that. I think he is kind of oblivious a little bit to if someone is a bit perturbed with him. He just kind of goes with the flow and keeps on going. Um, Bill talked to his wife about it. You know, she reinstated, you're going to be walking the woods with someone you haven't seen in 25 years. It'll be hell. Um, and then when you picked up Steve um, from the airport, um, he was always happy when drunk and always drunk. Um, he had been in a minimum security prison for 18 months of coke. Um, he settled down with a hairdresser. Um, he had become much larger since Bill had last seen him. Uh, and the first thing he said when he got off the plane was, I'm hungry. Um, Duncan, <laughs> uh, they went right to Duncan Donuts, um, to where I think they said jokingly, like he'll eat every hour. He has to eat every hour or else he gets seizures. Um, they were going, they were trying to get, when they were getting food, um, I thought it was funny how he was throwing in all this junk food into the cart. And then when Bill caught him, they just left the cart in the middle of the aisle and started, start and started over. Yeah. Um, well, when they got back to Bill's house, um, I know Bill started to get frustrated with him right away because um, he kept asking if he's going to if he was going to pack, and Cass was like, yeah, I'll pack, I'll pack, I'll pack. But he wasn't packing at all. Um, and he just had his headphones on. Uh, he trashed the room that he was already staying in. Um, but they got to the airport, um, and then at the end of chapter three, uh, well, now chapter four, um, it starts to talk about the actual trail itself, which had a lot of interesting facts. Um, Myron Avery um, says that uh, the trail will leave two trails, hurt feelings and bruised egos, and the trail. Um, McKay um, always gets the credit because he lived longer, um, because Avery died in 1952 and then McKay died 20... Er, McKay died 25 years before Avery. Um, well, it was one man's dream and one man's ingenuity that got it done. Mm -hmm. So one man's dream and then the other man's ingenuity of being able to see a plan and to exercise that plan to see it through. Because Avery extended the plans from 1,200 to 2,000 miles. Um, it was established in August of August 4th in 1937. Um, it was the largest volunteer undertaking on the planet. Uh, 1968 is when they actually first hired their first paid employee. Um, when you're hiking the trail, um, taxis, they'll take you to the start for like a good fee, I guess, when you get out of the airport. 20% uh, of all people drop off in the first week. Um, the first shelter um, was very comfortable for them. Um, the sun was, as I said, something encouraging or meaningful. Um, when they got there um, in Georgia, it was the coldest day to date. Um, their, their server was Rhea, and uh, Katz thought that Rhea was flirting with him. 
when he said, I can sure appreciate a man who loves pancakes. And I just thought it was funny. I was just like, wow, she's really ugly. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's tough. Um, so they started hiking March 9th. That's the date that they started. Um, you can never really get catch a break because they say the hills constantly rise. Um, you're basically walking the entirety of the horizon. Um, uh, they had scheduled themselves to do 8.9 miles, but 1.7 miles in, they were just like, you know what, this is hell. Which takes us to chapter 5, when Katz just gets lost. Lost literally within the first couple hours. Um, they're just getting to Black Mountain, that peaks at 3,400 feet. Um, he spent a good while actually walking around and trying to find him. Um, but Katz was just falling behind. He was missing a glove. Nothing was actually dangling from his backpack anymore. I don't know if Katz was so much lost as he had fallen so just far behind. behind. Yeah, yeah. He just fell so far behind. Um, um, and and that, that's when they got to their first wooden shelter um, with a bunch of tents around it. Uh, and Katz didn't know how to set up a tent. But the um, funniest part is that Katz got rid of most of his pack. Mm-hmm. And... He kept saying, he, Bill kept asking him, well, what happened to this? Flung it. What happened to that? Flung it. What happened to that? Flung it. Um, so it was sort of shedding off a lot, of, a lot of comfort things or a lot of things that you might need, might think you need. It was shedding those types of things off. So it was somewhat metaphorical. Everything's metaphorical in English. That's that's how English is. Yes, but yeah. I mean, this really happened, though. I mean, yeah. it wasn't just that a writer wrote it that oh, way. Yeah, it's, it's just nice a lot you, of this yeah, did nice, happen. It's nice how you can see that, like, right early on, and they give that to the reader. Um, Katz kind of went to sleep with no food because of that, and uh, he offered to make coffee in the morning. I think he was just exhausted too. Yeah, he offered to make coffee in the morning after being a jerk. Um, there's a lot more vulgar word than that, but I think jerk really suffice. Um, Katz threw away the coffee filters, so he had to use toilet paper instead. Um, he had in total thrown out the brown sugar, the oatmeal, cheese, peanuts, spam. Um, well, the oatmeal never came, didn't it? It never made it into the pack. They just, he's, is the, he threw it out. Okay. Um, Bill left the Little Debbies and Katz got really upset, um, which took us to Chapter 6, where uh, uh, a little bit more facts. Uh, most forests um, allow development, but this, all of the surrounding... So all of the like surrounding forests, most of it will allow development. Um, 490 million acres are available for logging. That's one-third of forests, twice the size of Ohio. So just taking that into consideration, like, think about that one-third of all forests is available for logging. Yeah, that's a shame. I mean, I remember, like I pointed that out a couple days ago when we went down, that space between, um... The space between 121 and Josie, all the way to Parker and Josie, mm -hmm. where all of that has a neighborhood and stuff now, and they're like supposed to build a school there, and the fire department right there. It used to all be trees, but now it's just like... Clear cut. Cl it's clear cut, and there's neighborhoods, and I'm like, that's so weird. 
Because there's some things that the Forest Department does, the uh, Secretary of the Interior and the Interior Department, they do selective cutting for a lot of times when something becomes too overgrown so that if a forest fire rages or anything like that, there is selective cutting that is processed or if there happens to be disease that they can control, they do selective cutting. But the Forestry Service over so many years got too involved with making money because they had no money. So they allowed logging roads and logging companies to come in and clear certain areas. And logging companies kind of went unchecked and they started logging way too much and not just doing a selective cutting or in just one particular area, they were clearing a lot of areas that was killing the environment. And they're still doing it to this day. And they talk about that a lot in chapter six and then chapter seven, they woke up the next morning um, from their wooden shelter that they had camped out of. And it was, uh, they kind of explained that the shelters are actually like a day's hike apart on the trail, through the whole trail. Um, and by the fourth evening, that's when they called upon Mary, um, found her at um, one of the shelters. Uh, Mary somehow disappears. Uh, I think it's because she went, she was like the opposite of cats. She would go ahead, or she would still fall behind. Mary Ellen? Yeah. She, she would profess that she was this great hiker, and then she seemed, I think Bill saw that, she seemed more inexperienced than... Than cats. At times. Yeah. Um, cats was just, as Mary Ellen pointed out, because she said, I know why you're so far behind your fat. <laughs> the thing uh, that really ticked off cats about her was that she ate the last cupcake. Mm-hmm. That was something that really ticked him off. Um, but after two days, they hiked 22 miles, um... They actually formed a pact. They would hike to highway, hike to the highway. Um, that's fourteen miles away. Um, they would hitchhike to Hiawassee, or they would kill Mary and take her pop tarts. Um, they ended up reaching the U.S. Highway seventy six after four. Um, they weren't picked up for like fifteen minutes, but they were picked up. Um, in a baby blue Pontiac Trans Am by the couple, 18 or 19 years old, Donna and Darren. Um, they took them over to Moll's Motel, which was just really not up to date. Um, but Donna and Darren were really nice, and they refused gas money, uh, which mainly took us to Chapter 8, where they get to the Georgia Mountain, where it's just meatheads and meat. Um... They get pie. Um, they talked about Mary for a while. Um, and they actually ran into someone who actually been stuck with her. Uh, and then they, the guy told them that Mary had dropped out trying to do 32 miles in two days. Um, which, I mean, with someone with that kind of ego and professing how, yeah, I can hike this much, I think that would really be a shove in their face. Um, they start hiking again with Jim and Heath, but during the whole big storm, after that starts coming in and all the snow and everything, um, they part ways with them. Um, 
So, Jim and Heath were a father and son. Yeah. Yeah, and that's they had totally miscalculated by going out when there was a huge storm coming in. They could have easily froze to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to figure out because their maps were so inadequate on how to get, and you couldn't read where the shelters were or just specific areas. And I think Bill keeps bringing up that all the maps were so horrible about the Appalachian Trail in certain states. It's just there's some areas that the volunteers, it wasn't up to up to par, even though the volunteers had tried to help mark areas. Just getting the maps made that would actually help any of the hikers would mean a lot. There would probably be less hikers dropping out because they could actually read the maps and read the trails and read where they were supposed to go. Even though the trail itself is supposedly marked well, it's just trying to pace yourself and get from place to place and read every little step along the way. They would have had a really hard time. They were just guessing on trying to find shelter in that storm and how to take take shelter because they had to remember build the sheet um, up against the open area of the lodging that they were in so that the cold air wouldn't kill them. But they they do end up getting back to the N64, which I'm guessing is just like another big highway over there. And lo and behold, Jim and Heath roll up um, with a car and pick them up, drop them off at Rainbow Springs, where Katz and Bill check into the bunkhouse. Um, and they kind of established, they're like, yeah, it could be like a couple of days until we can get back on the trail. Uh, Katz end up, ended up ordering 18 cans of cream soda. But... Uh, the time kind of went by. They were like, okay, we need to set back out now. So they get into the snow again. Um, they set out following the path um, as more impatient. Um, Cats is just completely trashed. Um, but then they end up uh, with us being in Chapter 9. That's when they reach the Smokies um, and reach Tennessee where... Uh, Botanists say that it is the finest mixed metaphysical forest in the world. Bunch of facts here. 1,500 types of wildflower, 1,000 varieties of shrub, 530 mosses and lichen, 2,000 types of fungi, 130 native species of tree. All of Europe has only 85. So it has more native species of tree than the entire continent of Europe. Um, Chapter 10 gets us some more facts. There's 67 varieties of mammal. Um, so basically, basically just kind of think of like brother bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 200 types of bird, 80 species of reptile and amphibian, 25 varieties of salamander. I always loved little salamanders because we'd always have those little geckos on the windows at the old house. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I, I've only seen salamanders at like zoos. Like, and I always like the little, not little, but I like the Pretty good size, like the red ones that had like those black spots. There were some specific species that Bill wanted to see. Um, and then there's 300 types of freshwater mussel. Um, the Smokies is home to a third of the world's mussel population. Um, 42 species of mammal have disappeared from national parks in the last century. Um, national Park Service. Uh, the National Park Service actually spends less than 3% of its budget 
her research, 90% of trees are dying. Um, the balds in the mountains, that's like the like little... The top. The plain yep. areas that are on there have... Dis- 90... Or the balds on the mountains... Um, they're which, disappearing. Yeah, they were... Because they're becoming overgrown. Well, 90, 90 plants... Um, 90 plant species have disappeared from those since the 30s, and 25 are expected to go in the next few years. Um, they spend two... or no. No, their budget was $200 million a year less than a decade ago. Uh, the 1960 budget was $79 million compared to today's budget, which is $270 million. Um, the repair backlog for the National Park Service was $6 billion by 1997. Um, Park Service policy is to not let the balds disappear, is to let the balds disappear because they can't interfere with anything. Mm -hmm. That's like their little thing that they have. But um, they end up reaching a shelter um, there's a sign on it saying, keep doors shut as bears are active in the area. Because um, these are the shelters with the screens in front of them, the fences in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hear all the mice and rats crawling around. Yeah, these um, are not the pleasant shelters. Mm-hmm. Uh, quote here, there's nothing like a good night's sleep. And that was nothing like a good night's sleep mm-hmm. in the god-awful shelters. Um, but in the morning... Um, there was a good amount of fog. Um, they had to write, they had, they were about nine miles away from the Spencefield shelter. Um, they did have a stone fireplace in the shelter, but everything else was too wet to light. Um, they tried to make coffee. The stove kind of proved otherwise. Um, leading us to chapter 11, more hiking. Um, there was a bunch of flooding on the trail. Um, they stayed with a bunch of strangers. It was just awful weather. Um, Weren't those the city folks? Mm-mm. No, oh, no, no, we're not no, there that's, yet. Yeah, we're not there okay. yet. Um, I know what you're talking about. Um, they had just reached Gatlinburg um, after eight days since they first checked into their first motel um, where they stopped at Jersey Joe's restaurant with che- to get cheeseburgers and Coke. Actually, would sound really good after eight days of just being on the trail, mm-hmm. even though I don't eat cheeseburgers. Coke would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, the hall, half of all malls and offices date back since the 80s. Oh, this is where they rattle off all the information about this. Because um, Gatlinburg is just like this untouched kind of area of the trail. It's like its own kind of place. It's a little souvenir town at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, 80% of housing stock dates back to 1945. Um, the Oregon Trail, Santa Fe Trail, and Route 66 have all died off. Um, yet the Appalachian Trail is still here. Um, that's when they come across the big... That's when they come across the map, the 3D map of the trail, and they see the elevation 
in in the entire eight days. They've only done two inches in elevation. Um, where they decide to skip skip to Virginia or skip Virginia, go to Knoxville, rent a car, and head to Roanoke. Because they were like, we've only done two inches of elevation on this little thing in eight days. And they're like, yeah, we need to cut through everything. Um, the first guy in 1948 um, hiked it from April to August, doing 17 miles a day. Um, less than 21 miles is public and not protected, which is kind of weird. Um, they were saying that they did um, half a million steps in their first eight days, and they were kind of justifying their choice to skip to Virginia because they were like, if we did half a million steps, we don't need to do 4.5 of it. Um, but they reached Virginia. Um, they had walked for about a week, and they kept getting shelters to themselves, doing about 15 or 16 miles a day. Um, by the sixth night, uh, they reached um, a real town that was about six or seven miles north. Uh, the plan was to hike eight miles on the trail, get to the town, and do all that is known and obvious, of like laundry, call up with the family and all that. Um, leading into chapter 13, um, the 20, 20 minutes, the 20 minutes Bill and Katz would walk was more than the average American walks in a week. So walking 20 minutes on the trail is more than any average American walks an entire week just doing stuff. Because what they do, an American spends 93% of their travel uh, in the week through a car. Uh, the total walking for a week is 1.4 miles, which is barely 350 yards a day. Um, they reach Shenandoah, which is this big park um, there, but the park is filled with problems, um, insects causing problems, there's fungi, there's pollution, etc. Um, but they stay at the shelter, excuse me, they stay at the shelter, and this is the night where Bill is awoken by like this disturbance and hears hears like a ruffle outside and that's when he sees like the pair of two eyes that are ten or twenty feet away. Um he tries to throw a stick at it and He and, tries to wake up cats. Well he throws a stick at it and he's he the the eyes blink at him. He yelled at it and, and he it, thought it was what? A bear. A bear. He yells at it and it blinks. Um the whole situation leads into chapter 14 where um, the whole scramble, yeah, was scramble with him trying to wake up cats and Bill just goes back into his tent and he falls asleep because <clears throat> um, Cass was like, you know what, that's it, I'm going to bed. <laughs> and then Bill was like, how can you go to sleep right now? He's like, like this. And go, go, he just goes to bed. Um, cats made coffee in the morning. Um, it was still early April. Um, Skyline Drive 
was almost Skyline Drive is like the the road that kind of parallels the Appalachian Trail through the Shenandoah Park. So they would like walk the drive and when the sun got too hot or their feet hurt too much, they would just get back on the trail. So they hike like that throughout the day. Um, they stayed at this one shelter for three nights and by the third night, um, that's when they got the kick out of all the Boy Scouts struggling to set up their tents. Um, and that's when John Connolly arrives. Um, so does Jim and Chuck. Um, and they kind of, kind of reoccur to them. They're like, well, it's, it wasn't busy for the first three nights that they were at this shelter, but it was Friday. So they're like, okay, well, you know, people are going to hike on the weekends. Um, but Jim and Chuck left the next morning. Um, they get to Big Meadows, really big place. Um, a lot of like people who aren't walking the trail are there and they're coming up to them in like astonishment. Um, this guy, um, is talking to, I think it was Katz, and he calls his wife Bernice over, and he's like, Bernice, come, come check this out. These people have been walking the trail. Yeah. And Katz is, like, posing for pictures. Um, but they set off late the next morning, um, and then that's when John leaves. Um, they go for, they go for, they went for three days, um, it had been six days since they were at the Rockfish Gap, um, and that's when Bill loses his stick, which he thought he left at Elk Wallow Gap, which was like four miles when he thought he lost it. And who did he get his stick from? Um, his wife. His wife. His wife and his kids. Um, but that's when they reach the cabin, and... Three men and three women show up in Ralph Lauren hiking gear, and they're immediately, you can tell, they're stupid and nauseous, and uh, that's when the chick is like, ooh, do we have to share with them? Like, after they see them. Um, and Katz gets them the next morning because they're like, yeah, no, screw it, we won't share it with you, like, we'll just stay outside. But they're, like, drinking all night, and they're yelling all night, and then they, like, can't sleep. Um, and so they start to head off, and then I think it was funny when Bill noticed that Cass was carrying something. Yeah. And Cass was like, I did a bad thing. And he was like, what would you do? Like, I did a bad thing. What did you do? And he's like, I stole the shoelaces <laughs> of the chick who said, who do we have to share? Um, the suede shoelaces. Um. But um, chapter 16 is when they're kind of nearing the end. Um, of the first leg. Of like the first journey. leg that they agreed. Yeah. So they walked 18 miles to Front Royale. Um, and that's when they kind of like parted their ways. Uh, and there, his, Bill's wife picked him up. Mm-hmm. Katz um, was getting a summer job building houses. Um, and in total they had walked 500 miles. Um, done 1.25 million steps. Um, uh, they kind of killed a little bit of time, though, because they just kind of, like, walked the railroad tracks. Um, but by the time it was the end of May, almost June, um, Bill got back on the trail. He went back to Shenandoah. 
Um, he was trying to do day trips and mm-hmm. take his car. Which is what a lot of people do. Um, but it wasn't working out for him. Because he was missing and longing for that constant drive to be on the trail. And this is when Bill noticed that in Pennsylvania, no hiker has anything good about to say that to say no hiker has anything good about good about the trail to say in Pennsylvania. Um, Pennsylvania is when there's cold stone, twist ankles, meanest rattlesnakes, unreliable water sources. Um, chapter seventeen, they get to the Caledonia uh, State Park, where the maps are just useless. Um, nothing in the park was inscribed. Um, and that's really when he realizes, like, Caledonia lets him know, like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be doing these stupid day trips anymore. Um, they're getting really pointless. But, um, chapter 18, he goes back to the Delaware Water Gap, which is this huge canyon. Um, he sees Sunfish Pond, which is this big, um, body of water on one of the mountaintops there. Mm -hmm. Um... Chapter 19, he's still trying to get into it. Um, he had a plan to hike to New England, which from where he was, was about 700 miles. Um, it was a hot morning in mid-June um, in Stockbridge, which is like southwestern Massachusetts. Um, he was preparing for... Because in that part of the trail, that's when the mountain lions and bobcats get more noticed and more seen so he was like getting prepared for that um but chapter 20 it's early july um he was reading david david quailman's natural acts um where he says in the late summer of 1982 there was four youths and two adults who were canoeing and found dead the next day floating in their life jackets um, really kind of stressing how the rivers are always like freezing. And hypothermia is, can sneak up on you. Yeah, because if you fall asleep, you die. Well, and also it, it has some contradictory symptoms to it. You think you, you're burning you, yeah, up. Yeah, you think you're burning up, so you stop shivering. You stop shivering you stop and you shivering. start taking off your layers because you feel like you're burning up because it starts messing with your mind. Yeah. And it has contradictory symptoms to it that you wouldn't think would happen, but it does. And then he had his friend, um, the doctor from right near his house, that he would go day hiking with eventually because he decided he probably shouldn't be doing this on his own. And uh, So I know that that was a comfort to him, but not as much of a comfort as... He was missing cats. He was missing his daily grind, his daily routine of being on the trail for as long as he was. And uh, there's a joke where when you leave Vermont from going from like south to north, when you leave Vermont, you completed 80% of the miles, but only 50% of the effort. That's coming from the Through Hikers Handbook. Mm-hmm. Um, New Hampshire runs about 162 miles and has 35 peaks higher than 3,000 feet. Um, that's also this is also where Bill Abdu um, invited himself on the trip. 
and that's when they start at San, uh, they start at uh, Franconia Notch, mm-hmm. um, chapter 21, um, is when they're having to go through that big windstorm. And, and Bill didn't have his rain gear. He didn't have anything. Yeah, he didn't have all of his gear on. And him. like the weather really changes because this is when they're in the White Mountains, mm-hmm. and this is where the weather could change instantly because they were like a few hundred feet from the summit of Little Haystack Mountain, and the sun just disappears, and then it's just swirly mist like comes in, winds pick up, the air's moist. But uh, chapter twenty-two, um, he's back with cats, um, so Bill Bill's in his living room. Um, in Hanover, um, through, he gets actually face-to-face with a moose, um, he lost his way out of Lagoon, um, and he's trying to find another route through, uh, the water, cause that's when they came to that point where... Bill and Katz, they're following the trail, and then there's just this big body of water, and they're like, okay, well, what do we do now? Because there's nothing on here that says the trail, like, goes anywhere. This pod is supposed to be here. Um, but chapter 23, um, they get this massive heat wave. Um, well, they're in the one expanse where once you start, you will not see anyone until a hundred and something miles. So you have to complete this big expanse because there's there's nothing there. There's no stopping. You just got to keep going one way or the other. And I think it was probably a little naive of them to start this area since they had not been hiking together. And they took that massive break too. Yeah. And... It's the, it's the 100 mile forest. Yeah, they should have started probably, I believe, before that and worked their way up and into, and I know he had wanted to do that by backtracking a little bit before the 100 mile forest, but... Well, in, in like before they even got there, that's when they showed up at Shaw's, which was yes. founded by Keith and Pat Shaw. Yeah. Um, Keith brought home a hiker one time, um, and he passed on how well-treated he was, so people just started showing up. At the door. Yeah, so they tried to hike together a little bit before they got to that 100-mile um, stop point where it's either you're going to do this or you're not going to do this because there's no going back. You know, A lot of people have had accidents or things like that happen to them in this 100 miles that you have to go. And it's then when um, Bill realizes that cats started drinking again. Um, where he started drinking in the summer, um, and that's, uh, Bill refused to buy him beer, and Katz got really upset over that, but they went to bed, and the next morning, um, next morning they kind of just exchanged hellos at breakfast, but as the 100 mile forest, as they started, um, they run into a wall within an hour, um, they're slowly going over boulders while there's just heat coming down on them. Um, they did 14 miles and they made it to camp at a uh, Wilbur Broke. Um, 
next morning they hiked uh, the four-mile incline um, where they kind of come to this um, peaceful part where um, Bill gave cat Bill gave cats um, some water and um, in response cats gives Bill half of his Snickers knowing Bill already had some because Bill they both had their own Snickers but since Bill gave cats his water cats thought he'd return the favor and give him half of his Snickers because cats. Threw away his he had, other he had water nothing, bottle. He had, he had nothing else because to Because he hadn't learned the first time, and he had too much gear with him again, and threw it off. And he had just he had nothing to give. Um, mm-hmm. Which chapter twenty four, um, they kind of sit down and cats really talks about his summer. Um, he had been you know just having TV dinners, and uh, I mean he would go out with all the guys that he was working with, and he'd be like, "No boys, I'm reformed. Um, none for me." But he'd go to the tavern, he would just have, like, Diet Cokes. Um, and there was this guy, Dwayne, who kept insisting. Um, but he, he told Bill, he was like, I never had more than three drinks in a night. Um, and they end up, they both make up. Um, but they get back to hiking again. And... Um, they're less than a mile from Cloud Pond. Um, they're about a quarter of a mile like, off the trail. Um, uh, to get to Cloud Pond, um, it takes 40 minutes back and forth. And so he headed down. Um, he headed... Okay, so... He was ahead is, of cats. He, he was ahead of cats. Um, it takes 40 minutes... To get back and forth. So he waited 25 minutes for cats. Um, he reached two hours without seeing him. Uh, he went half a mile down the trail, then two miles. Cats was now four hours without water and without being seen. Um, he went down to the pond at the shelter. Um, and Bill just decided, you know what, I'm just going to stay here. Hopefully, cats made it somewhere. Um, but, but he was really worried about it. Yeah. And then the next morning, he just plunges further, further and further into the forest. He's three-fourths... Um, he's... He's he's extremely worried, and he's trying to rationalize in his head, why didn't cats just stay where he was? No, Katz is a guy who'd go wandering around or trying to find water and thinking it's closer than it is. Um, which is actually what ended up happening to Katz. Yes. Is that he thought a water source was closer than what it was and he ended up getting himself all scuffed up and cut up. and um, But they end up finding each other. Be, well, Bill goes... And he finds his cigarettes first. Mm-hmm. He finds Kat's cigarettes. And he finds, he finds Kat's like four hours later. Um, and Kat's what... Yeah, he went off looking for water. Um, and he just ended up going to sleep waiting for Bill. Um, yeah, he got lost trying to find the lake. Um, but he got back... Because he went... He would go up... No, he would go up to one side because they were on an incline. But the trail was going perpendicular to the incline. Mm-hmm. So he would go up the hill, 
see if the trail was there. He'd go down the hill, see if the trail was there. Then he stopped. He lost. He lost where the like perpendicular would meet. He lost where the perpendicular part would meet, and that's when um, he he reached the he saw a sign that was like signifying that he was standing back on the trail. So it was just by pure luck. Um, which after they, you know, they find each other, um, and we reach t chapter 25, um, they reach the, they both are at the road. Um, they hitchhike to this little town. Um, they reach Bishop's boarding house, which is run by Joan Bishop. Um, they joined her on the porch. Um, they kind of had confused feelings about hiking. Um, this is when they kind of like reached their like realizations of everything. Um, Bill wanted to do it forever because they had like gotten so used to it. Um, and this is um, one of the parts that really cracked me up because he didn't want to leave the motel at all. Cats in the beginning. And one of, like, his excuses, he was just like, well, you know, X-Files just came on. And Cass was finally so happy because he was like, X-Files tonight. <laughs> and he finally would get to watch it. I mean, Bill is just like, I hiked the Appalachian Trail. And then Cass is like, I did too. And, I mean... Because they had decided to stop. They were like, yeah, we, we can't really keep this going. Well, I think they were then fulfilled because Bill had said that he didn't need to go on. That it wasn't a longing to go on. It wasn't like the first time that they they finished their first leg of the journey and then they broke and he felt a need to go back to the trail and go back to the trail even without cats. He felt like he needed to go on. It was something inside of him pulling. But after losing cats... And then finding him, there wasn't the pull anymore. He didn't feel he needed to be on the trail anymore. He had already hiked his part. And, I mean, the trail really both helped him. Because um, Couts devoted his life to sobriety. Um, he went back to Iowa to his, uh, his uh, building job. Um, Bill ended up, like, doing the, um, the calculations where... They only hiked 870 miles, which was only 39.5% of the trail, which is pretty much the distance between New York to Chicago, which I actually still find really ridiculous. Amazing. Like, that is insane. Um, and I will say the thing that really kind of like, I've never had a book kind of make me feel like I'm about to tear up, but when Bill said, I don't care what anyone says, we hiked the Appalachian Trail. I was like, that's like, it, it was, you know, really relieving that they did that. Because, I mean, if I had went for 870 miles, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, I hiked the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> I mean, because I'm, I'm not going to walk into someone and be like, oh, you know, like, yeah, I, I did about 870 miles. And someone like, because like, you can't put that into perspective. Because it also, they... After hiking it for so long, they, like, got perspectives of, like, okay, yeah, we just walked a mile. Like, they knew how long a mile was. That is, 
that is long, that is more than it would take to go from here to St. Louis. Yeah, it would be that. And then, plus 200 miles. Yeah, plus 200 miles. Um, but I actually really did enjoy that book. Um, that was something that, I mean, I, I really was visualizing a lot. And especially when the Ralph Lauren scene, I think that was probably my favorite part of the book. I'm very encouraged to read some of his other travel books because it seems like he writes from a realist perspective, mm -hmm. um, not someone who is um, promoting any type of fluffy hotels or the extreme sport type person who can hike and do 16, 17, 18, 19 miles in a day and all uphill and in extreme weather conditions. He's just a real type of person. He's a writer that just happens to hike and write about traveling that way. I mean, so. what would you think be the difference if like, he wrote about a story about someone doing it versus him well, actually I think, doing it? I think you find a lot of... I think the reader gets a lot out of it because he is a real person and he finds by working out through the, the trail or his friendship with cats or his meeting people along the way and telling their story, even though he changed their names, you still get, the reader gets to go on a journey with themselves as well and kind of learn from his journey and they learn more about themselves as well too by reading it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad that it wasn't like a fictional thing because I think that would have kind of thrown away the whole purpose as well. Um, but I mean, that's this book kind of really did... This is the first time like a book has made me want to like know more about the reader and read more of the work that he's done. Oh, the writer? Yeah, Bill. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, it was. I, I really liked that book. Anything else? I think that was about it. That was A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson. Thank you. Yep.